Hi, you're listening to the Hope Church Sermon Podcast. At Hope, our mission is to help people know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Now, join us as we listen in on a sermon from last Sunday. It is our hope that you feel God's love stronger today than ever before. Good morning. Welcome to our last week of our Dating Delilah series. We're so glad you're here. If you're visiting for the very first time, we want you to know that we are really glad you're here today. Love to connect with you on a connect card this week or this morning and um, because we want to be able to do life with you if possible. Hey, we've been talking about a man in the Bible named Samson and a lady in the Bible named Delilah, and we use them as a subject matter for the last few weeks, and we're going to continue to use them as a subject matter one more time today and um, we looked at this guy named Samson and he had some destructive patterns or he had some unhealthy um, relationship situations that he found himself in and and he was a he just did, he just had some questions and so basically this last few weeks we've been asking the questions and we've been trying to answer the questions that Samson probably should have been asking so week one we looked at warning labels and Samson was a walking, talking warning label. Like they should have, people should have saw like, dude, run from this guy. And then Delilah, we looked at, she also was a warning label also. And so I wanted to say this today, if you're in the room in here today and you're single and you're like, you know what, I, if you've been coming every week and you've been listening, I wanna say to you that I'm, I'm proud of you guys for being here every single week and listening. Um, Cause I feel like this is content and you're gonna need one day. You may not need it today, you may not need it tomorrow but you'll need it one day. And if you're in here, you're married today, you're like, man, I kept on coming. Because here's what happens in most churches. When you get to a series called Relationships, people are like, yo, I ain't coming. You're like, I'm not married. Or you're like, you know, I, you know, I, you know I'm, I, I don't want to be married or I am married. And you find yourself in some part of the spectrum. And so we want you to know that we're just, I, I'm, as your pastor, I'm proud that you guys have been here and that you're putting in the work. If you're putting in the work, because we always say this, the work is worth it. And um, I'm joined today by some of my favorite people in the world. Obviously, my wife is the most favorite outside of Jesus. Obviously, Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, and then Diana, and uh, I just confused somebody. And um, but outside of Diana, uh, outside of the the, the, the Lord um, is is my wife, and I'm joined here with Rachel and Nelson. Um, these guys have been a part of the church for a while. Rachel, introduce yourself to everybody. Tell them what you do and about your family a little bit. Uh, hi, I'm Rachel, and uh, my husband Phil and I have been coming here for about three years. I don't know, at some point, years pass, so we may have to change that to four. I feel like that's kind of my standard response. We're like, wait, a year's gone by. Um, we've been married for about three years. Uh, both of us uh, um, kind of started dating after uh, being um, married, getting divorced about four or five years prior to that. Um, and we are now doing blended family. We've got six kids, and uh, so we've got some that are adults, some that are teenagers, uh, and, and now kind of going through what blended family looks like. So, and you guys are about to be empty nesters. Like, uh, about, right. We've I mean, got, got one going years. off. Yep, we'll have one left. All the transitions. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. yeah. So We're glad you're here. Well, tell me everybody what you do for So I'm a, I think I'm on this panel up here because I'm a mental health counselor, and I uh, do uh, counseling for marriages. Cool, we're glad you're here. Can you guys welcome Rachel today? And this is Brother Nelson. Um, Gabe, you're the only guy in the church that has the, the word brother in front of it. This is Brother Nelson. And um, it's like when we get to heaven, like in heaven, there's gonna be, there's gonna be, there's a guy named John the Baptist, okay? He's the only Baptist in heaven. His name is John the Baptist. 
John the Baptizer, but Nelson always gets, gets the name Brother Nelson. So Brother Nelson's here. Tell us your story, Brother Nelson. Tell us about what you're doing at the church. How long have you been married for? Hey, I'm Nelson. Oh, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Uh, first thing I wanted to say is I was really upset when I saw the chairs. I, I, dressed, I dressed for high chairs. You could ask Jenny. She was like checking out my outfits, and, and now I finally have these low chairs. I would have selected a completely different outfit, and I know for sure. But anyway, I'm Nelson. I don't know why I'm on this panel. Nobody knows why I'm here, but I decided to contribute. My wife and I have been married for a long, long time. Uh, actually, Moses married us. So, yeah, so we've been together a long time, and we've been, we have a wonderful marriage. How, do you know how, at some point, do you quit counting how many years you've been married for? Yeah, I always give you a different number, so, because I, I don't remember. 40 plus? No, so we've been together around 43 years when we met, but we've been married, what, 36 years, something like that? She's shaking her head, yes. Yeah. <laughs> give or take, give or take. I would just, if I were you, I'm going to give you some advice, Nelson. <laughs> let, me, let me give you some advice. I would just work. Can I stop you from giving me advice? No, you're, I have a microphone. I know you do too, but I would just work in decades, just be like, it's been over three decades, and then once you get past the 40-year mark, be like, it's been over four decades. It just sounds cooler. Like we're in that, I can't, like we're almost to that two decades in. Because I've already forgot already, let's be honest. But I want to get to that, but two decades, it just sounds cooler. Just That's just freebie for you. That's free advice. That's good. But she gets upset if I don't have the exact number. So, but good tip. Yes, yes. Well, cool. Last week we got to speak together and we talked a little bit about the um, needs of a man and woman in marriage and what that looks like. And um, I hope that if you weren't here, it's great practical advice, just some easy stuff to kind of work on here or there. Um, and we like to just say, to just start somewhere, pick, pick one thing and work on one thing. And so if you've listened to the last few weeks, like you don't have to try to put all of it into practice at once. Just pick, pick one thing and try to work on it that day. And then when you feel like you got that, try to put in something else. But you guys have emailed in some questions on relationships. And so we are going to hop right into those this morning. So the first question was this. What does the Bible say about singleness? Is singleness bad and marriage good? Can singles just be singles and that be okay? Yeah, in all of these questions that we're going to answer today, um, if you have more questions, follow up with them. Just ask us. Um, but we want to give you concise questions so that we can get through all of them today. So you're like, man, that's the shortest answer Pastor Wes has ever given. Um, we want to want to get through some of these questions. But here's what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. It's on the screen. The Bible says, uh, that is why a man leaves his father and his mother and is united to his wife. And they become one flesh. So to answer your question, part of your question, marriage, marriage is good. And also the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7, but I wish every, this is what Apostle Paul says, I wish everyone were single. You're like, what? You know, you're like, you're like all right, I'm leaning in. He, he says here, I, I, I wish everyone was single because the Apostle Paul, the greatest missionary to ever live, greatest church planner, greatest business leader ever to live, said, I wish everyone were single just as I am, yet, yet each person has a special gift from God of one kind or another. So marriage is good and singleness is good. And Paul said, if you can be single, then do, do the single life. Here's what he says a little bit further on in scripture in that same passage. Verse 8, he says this, so I say to those who are not married, those who aren't married and to widows, it's better to stay unmarried just as I am. But if you can't control yourself, you know who you are. <laughs> and you know what I'm talking about. Then you should go ahead and marry because it's better to marry than to burn with lust. Now that's a loaded, you're like, listen, I just, I'm just, you know, I'm charged and ready to go. So I've got to get married. No, that, that's, you can look at that and say that very clearly. But the answer is, 
you ought to find someone who's equally yoked with you, or you, you, you got to live the life that's right. I mean, God wants you to live the life that's right, and a godly life, and he wants you to, if you're a Christian, then live like a Christian. And so if you're single in here today, praise God. Yeah. If you're married in here today, praise God. And if you want to stay single, then stay single and crush it. I'll, can I be one step further? I, I can't keep on doing that, but the, the, some, of, some of our best dream team members in our church are single people. They have more time, and they can do more ministry. Yeah. And the Apostle Paul, I think if he's married, he doesn't plan as many churches. Yeah. Because then he can't speak to us on relationships because he's, he's leaving his wife all the time to go do Mary, to go do, to go do ministry. And so I think here he's saying to you, like, marriage is good, awesome, singleness is good. If you're single, you can do a lot of, you can be very, you're not less effective, you're not less effective because you're single. And in some, in some regards, you're actually more effective because you are single. You have, can, do more, can do more ministry. Yeah. Also, singleness does not mean sleeping around also. Diana, what advice do you have for trying to find a godly guy in today's culture? And it seems like that's a really hard thing to do in culture today. And you don't want to compromise your standards. You want to do the right thing. You want to be godly. And so how do we flush that out or find the guy, Mr. or Mrs. Wright, that loves Jesus and it's trying to follow Jesus the best they can. Yeah, I think one of the things we said last week was you won't find Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright in the wrong place. Come on. And so Samson's going to find the, these women in the wrong place. And I would say the same thing to anyone single. You're not going to find someone who's godly, who's, who loves the Lord in the wrong place. And I don't need to list a list of the wrong places. You know what the wrong places are. Um, but... That, that's not where you're going to find them. Some, some of our girls are like, we just need more guys in our church. One of the, some of the single girls said, can we start like a dating thing with the, all the churches, with it's all the guys idea. and the girls? <laughs> um, so maybe, maybe we'll start that. Um, but I would say this, um, know who you're looking for before you start looking. Make a list. There's nothing wrong with making a list of, of what you feel like you want and, and talking to God about, and you know what God, what, what mission God has placed in your heart. So know that, make sure it lines up, make sure you're equally yoked. And then I would say, once you start to, to look for these people, some people say, oh, I don't want to bring them around my friends or around my pastor until I'm sure I like them. Those should be the first people you bring them around yeah. to see. Cause you, when you start to like somebody, you get these goggles on and you like get in love land, dreamy land. And it's like, you don't even see straight. So I tell, I'm like, We'll go on a date with you and the guy you met on, on. whatever, Bumble, Tinder, Swipe Left, whatever. I don't know what they all are. I'm like, Christian I'm mingle. like, yeah, Christian mingle, which we have, we have, a, I think we have two couples in our church who met online dating and they're succeeding at marriage. And so I'm not, I'm not shaming online dating, but I'm saying whenever you meet the person, bring them around your friends, bring them around your pastors. We'd love to go on a double date with you. We'd probably even buy if you wanted us to. So we'll, let's, let's go. <laughs> Burger yeah, King, we McDonald's. Will. We will. We'll yeah. do it. We'll do it. But bring them around. Bring them around the people who you know and trust, and li and then you have to listen to what they say. Listen to what they say. Um, but that's what I would say. Rachel, the next question is for you. Can you speak into? So speaking of singleness, some some people are singleness as a result of divorce. So can you speak into singleness through divorce, and how was that different from singleness yeah. prior to? Absolutely. Um, so. You know, we know that marriage is sacred, right? It's a covenant uh, that God created. God's perfect. 
people are not. And so we know that one person can't hold a marriage together. Um, and so divorce happens. And sometimes it happens to you, yeah. right? And so you find yourself single. Well, this was true for me, but also, uh, uh, so I counsel a lot in marriage. and. A true for a lot of people that came to see me that what tends to happen is you know you've been married 20 years you have this way of doing life and sometimes uh, when you get divorced your mindset is kind of still in marriage I had a client long ago put it to me this way I feel like I was driving in the carpool lane and when my partner left or when my spouse left that I was still in the carpool lane just looking for someone to kind of join me in the car so yeah. they still had this marriage mindset which is you know I always say marriage is for compromise singleness is for clarity or dating is for clarity kind of to, to make your point mm -hmm. you know it's so true that's not the time that we want to compromise and say hey come, come join me in the car and that also means intimacy or anything like that a lot of times we just think well we're gonna take right off from where we left off in our yeah. marriage but really the healthiest is to kind of look at singlehood there, your se whether it's a season or not, but your season there for devoting time to God, like you were saying, kind of using that time to even get to know, well, wait a minute, you know, the, the marriage kind of, the, the, the pattern of marriage took both of us. What are my things that I did so that I'm not just, you know, getting somebody in my car as I'm driving in the carpool lane and now I'm having the same habits and the same issues yeah. in marriage. Um, and so kind of, using her uh, analogy like moving over to the single lane uh, and just kind of drive doing your life doing your life with God kind of knowing what you were saying knowing what he wants from you but you kind of have to go back and it's a hard reset sometimes to go back to that mindset of singlehood and I'm here for that using the time to devote to God to uh, you know uh, um, volunteer that kind of thing yeah. but really then for uh, when somebody does come that you're dating with clarity right. and really trying to see um, yeah. again going back out of that yeah I think mind. when I think about getting into the carpool lane or getting into the single lane it's like uh, I've got to slow down I've got to like stop and feel what just happened you know and I think that's so important coming out of divorce that you do need to you need to get over you need to slow down and you may need to have counseling because if you're going to step into get back into the carpool lane you want it you hopefully want it to be healthy and all of this obviously all of this is filtered through someone who has a relationship with Jesus and is trying to honor God so so good counseling Rachel. sometimes helps with the clarity part you know we this guy and see what you think of him or this girl see what you think of him but sometimes you know it's hard if somebody's really head over heels and you're trying to be pretty honest and saying I don't know he looks this way and sometimes counseling gives that kind of not a friend you know somebody yeah. a different perspective Rachel yeah. how did you how did you and uh, Phil meet uh, we met on match.com yeah cool and then also you you put Phil around your other Christian friends. Yeah, there was a time period. I'm really, uh, so when I would talk to clients about this too, you know, um, and I'm sure he did. He was single for seven years. I was single for five years before we met. And we tried other things too, you know, just like you do. It's not like you put all your eggs in that online basket. 
but I have some really strict rules for online dating, right? Like they're really strict, not talking for more, not texting or whatever for more than a couple days before you make a plan to meet in person. I really say online dating is an avenue to meet more people in person. But then when you meet them in person, not just sit across the table and talk about each other. You really learn about a person through experiencing them and seeing how they are and doing things. And I think there is a period. You don't just immediately introduce them to friends and family. Yeah. But there is a period then when you do before your heart gets really into it. So again, you know, if we talk about intimacy, like that clouds up everything. Yeah. Yeah. And so really being able to see, you know, clearly. And so yes, introducing to friends, family, cool. that kind of thing. Cool. Nelson, what do you do if we're, we're married now? What do you do if you're the only one who cares about spiritual things? Or maybe you're, maybe you're single. What do you do if you're the only one who cares about the spiritual things, go, a faith, relationship with Jesus Christ, going to church, community group, serving, like, you're, you're, you're here, you're like, you, you want them to be here, but they're not coming with you, and, or, or vice versa. What does that look like? Yeah. First of all, I want to acknowledge you, and, and I want to recognize that if, you're, if you wrote this question or if you're in that situation, you're in a really hard thing. Yeah. I know. I recognize that. And people who are in my community who are in that condition, I pray for you, and I pray for your spouse, and I recognize this is 24-7 this is a burden on you, and for some of you, you've been in that situation a long time, and, and, I, and I do recognize that. Some, the Bible has some things to say about that. So in 1 Corinthians 7, 12, it says, if a fellow believer has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing to continue living with him, he must not leave her. And likewise, it says in verse 13, if a believing woman has a husband who is not a believer and he is willing to continue living with her, she must not leave him. So the first thing is like, it's not an excuse to leave yeah. because your spouse is not living a spiritual life. Your marriage is holy yeah. and God takes it serious. Yeah. And then in verse 14, it says, for the believing wife brings holiness to her marriage and the believing husband brings holiness to his marriage. That's a beautiful, yeah. beautiful yeah. verse. You know, you are the source of yeah. holiness in your marriage. Yeah. yeah, you know, God can look at your marriage and he could see holiness because you're bringing holiness into your marriage. Yeah. Your children could experience holiness in that family. Why? Because you're the source of holiness. And then great verse, Colossians 4, 5 says, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Make your, your conversation, your lifestyle gracious and attractive. You know, so I, I have three, three uh, things I want to encourage. So number one is do all you can to make your faith attractive to your spouse. You know, when, when my wife and I first got saved, you know, we, uh, for a while, we, we lived more like the Pharisees than Jesus. And you know what? You know, we had family members who they didn't get what was going on with us, and they resented it. And for a while... You know, we, we weren't really showing the love that we should. And then finally, we started growing and we started understanding that we were doing wrong and we would apologize. And we, became to, we began to make our faith more attractive. And I'd like to say that many years later today, almost all our family have, are saved. They know Jesus. They're Come in on. church. So, yeah. yeah. So, so make, your, make your faith attractive, yeah. man. Avoid that temptation to lash out. Number two is pray for your spouse and ask others to pray. Yeah. So, so if you're in a community with people, ask them for prayer. You know, 
the, the, the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Yeah. King James, right? But, but the point being that you should be praying. God can, can do miracles. Yeah. And then the last one, if possible, you and your spouse, see if you can connect your spouse with a couple, a Christian couple that he likes, right? So practical. <laughs> yeah. You know, not someone he doesn't like. You know, they, there's a lot of folks that don't want to be around. And I'll, I'll say this. when Back in Connecticut, there was a woman in our church, and she had a husband who he, he resented Christianity, and she had a friend who was a Christian and her husband. And somehow we find ourselves, you know, at someone's home having dinner with these couples, a, a woman and her husband who's not saved, this other Christian couple. And you know how you connect with people? He, he and I, we just liked each other right away as soon as we met each other. I don't know what it was. We liked the same sports. Somehow we connected. And you know what? Other than maybe praying for our food, we didn't preach to him. I didn't whip out a Bible. I didn't invite him to church. But we connected. And at the end of the night, he said to me, you know what? I've never met a Christian couple like you guys. And that was so awesome. And you know what? Before you know it, he started hanging out with people in our circles, with other Christians. And before you know it, he was coming to church, all because he connected. So... Again, and third thing is try to connect with a couple, Christian couple that your your spouse enjoys. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. I think we we're losing some marriages. I think you could probably speak. I'm not asking you, Rachel, but you probably see a lot. I think we're losing a lot of marriages because we don't have anybody around us going the same direction as us. That's a lot of marriages. Like I just, well, they're not Christians, and so we don't have. We're, we're Christians, but we don't have any. We don't have any Christian friends. That doesn't mean you can't have lost friends. But if your all your friends are are either lost or your friends are single, you're gonna, they think like they're single. Yeah. Married people think like they're married, hopefully. Hopefully. Single people think like they're single. And if all your friends, and you're married and all your friends are, are single girls, you're gonna go hang out with your girlfriends on Friday or Saturday or whenever, whatever night of the week you're gonna go with them, and you're gonna be leaving your spouse, and they're not gonna be, t your single friends are gonna say, yeah, man, you, you know, fight for your marriage and do the right thing and communicate and pray. They're going to say, let's, let's go have a good time because that's what they're, because when you're single, you get to do whatever you want to do, you know, and, and when you're married, you do things like, like married people do. And so I think that's a huge, huge, huge piece. I would also say two resources for that is there's a book called The Power of a Praying Wife, and there's also one called The Power of a Praying Husband, and I <clears> think those are good resources for that question. Yeah. Diana, I don't even know if this is my, this might be my question. Um, <laughs> how can husbands, who wrote this, uh, asking for a friend? How can husbands learn to communicate more with their spouses? Yeah, Nelson's going to help me on this one, but I would just say there was a season in our marriage where we were not with each other all day, and when, when he would come home, or I would, someone would come up to me and be like, didn't Wes tell you that this happened? And I'm like, no. You know, I mean, all the time, church people, oh, yeah, we're going out, or didn't he tell you I was going through this? And I'm like, mm-hmm. And then I go home, and I'm like, why didn't you tell me, and why didn't you, you know, so she then. She cussed we, me out when she got home. <laughs> That's how I remember it. That's how I remember it. So there was a season where um, we were out to dinner, and I heard his phone ding, and I looked uh -oh. at it and, it, and it was a reminder, and it said, remember to tell Diana what you did today. <laughs> and at first, I was very offended, like, how Take does notes. this guy not just... He must hate me. He doesn't remember to tell me what he did. But I, I later learned to realize, and now I'm glad that I don't know if he still has the reminder because he's pretty good at it now. But um, 
I do want to know at the end of the day what he did. Even if he's like, he, sometimes he'd be like, why do you care? It, it has literally nothing to do with you. I'm like, I just want to know like what you were doing because I care about you. I want to know what was hard for you today. What, because honestly, because I want him to know what was hard for me today, you know? And so, so everything, I think, um, everything is hard for you girls. I think the, what the heck is wrong? The reminder, the reminder at first was, was harsh, but I think whatever you have to do, if you have to put a reminder in, um, to remind yourself to, to tell your tell your wife a couple things that happened that day, or if you told somebody that you were going to do something that involves her, tell her that too, so that she doesn't get blindsided. But that was that for us was a season, and so we it is a continual working thing. But Nelson has a couple things to make yeah. it more practical. So first, I'd love to rebuke Wes about this, Thank but, the, you. but Thank I'd you. have to take the beam out of my own <laughs> eye, right? So here's the thing, right? It's a thing. It's a thing for us guys. We could be at work speaking all day, get with our friends, talk about sports, and then we get home and we clam up, right? Why is that? You know, I have a really great friend, Mike Jones, and we're just from the same eras. We, we love the same sports. We talk all the time. And, and Jenny will say, hey, what, is that a good player? And I'll say, he's all right. And she said, hey, make believe I'm Mike Jones when you answer that question. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's a thing we go through, right? And uh, in 1 Peter 3, 7, it says, in the same way your husbands must give honor to your wives, treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be the uh, weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers may not be hindered. So, uh, you know, I, I want to talk about empathy and compassion and stuff with our spouses, but just a few practical things. So the first practical thing is, Make a dedicated time. You know, I can't tell you how many of you probably, I have said, hey, we got to get dinner. We got to get together. How many of you have, you have I said that to that we haven't eaten together yet? A ton of you, right? You know why? Because we haven't put it on the calendar. Eric, let's get that on the calendar. Say, yeah, so, you know, you got you to gotta set the time. You got to make a dedicated time. When you make that dedicated time, turn off your electronics. I can't believe how many couples you see in a restaurant and they're waiting for their food and they're on their phones. How sad, what a great opportunity to talk. Um, you know, one of the one things I love most is a walk and talk. Man, we live in one of the greatest places to walk and talk. We're in Disney all the time and you know, all those parks have this giant circle, right? And if you walk it, it could take 45 minutes, an hour, but you can't help. If you're holding hands walking, you can't help but talk. Just seeing people say, look at that person, you know, <laughs> serious. Serious, it's just a wonderful time to walk and talk. Oh man, I hate when that happens. Romancer. Yeah, so the next thing is romancer. Rekindle that playful spirit. I'll tell you, that's an area where Jenny and I were killing it. Um, we just are like kids at home. You have no clue. If you, if you ever speak to my kids, my mother-in-law, they'll tell you, we're like kids at home. So just, you gotta rekindle what you did when you were dating and just, Playful and and uh, and I chase my wife around the house all the time. Come on, <laughs> and all God's people said, and, "Amen." And Nelson, she, that's good. That's really good. She faced like she's running, but she but she's not. Hey, last last thing. She accidentally trips and falls. <laughs> hey, last thing. Look, you gotta you gotta empathize. I got this really great game that we played. It really works, right? Next time you are out to dinner, you speak to her like she speaks to you and let her speak to you like if she's you. And she'll be telling you things that you normally tell her and you'll be answering the way she normally answers. And you know what? Before you know it, you're going to say, I don't say that. 
But the truth is, if you think about it, that's yeah. what she hears. You know, my kids even would play this with me. They got videos. My kids got videos of me and mom getting ready for church, getting ready in the morning. It's hilarious. But you know what? If we, we have blind spots, and unless you can get out of yourself and see it, when you play that role reversal game, you begin to see and recognize what your wife is feeling. And when you empathize, it makes it easier for you to change your conversation. Yeah. Um, there was one quick question. We're not going to go into it deep, but somebody asked, if, you, if, if healthy marriage wasn't modeled for you, how do you bring that into your family or how do you know how to put that into the relationship if you're single? How do you know what that's gonna look like in your marriage? And the quick answer for that is to get around other godly couples, to have a mentor, mentor parents. Maybe you didn't have parents who are Christians, but find some older couples. I know we've always tried to have older couples who are, who are married at least 10 plus more years than us or 20 plus more years than us that we, that we can visually see that they're still chasing each other around the house or doing things like that. And those are the couples we wanna go hang out with and let them pour into us. And then we're going to get into our last question, which is kind of a, a little bit of a deeper question. Is physical intimacy really a need for men or just a desire? Since, and then since men need physical intimacy, how should a woman get her mind out of the idea that men don't just want her or that it's more than just a feeling? And does this make a woman subject to a man? Or how does that, how does that mess with maybe someone's mind who might have had abuse in their life or something like that? So we know we obviously preached last week that it is a need but how does that um, equate to someone who might be struggling with that and great i got this question yes. <laughs> so see you later rachel <laughs> um so this comes not from necessarily my own experience but um uh not that it doesn't but um but really it is because that is a specialty of what i do in counseling is healthy intimacy so i'm kind of i'm going to kind of speak from that note yeah. um so when we talk about a need for men um, we might have to define need like water or food, then we, we would say no, it's not a need in that way, right? Uh, men and women, human beings can live without physical intimacy. But if we look Speak at- Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so you might fall more under this one, Wes, where if we look at the need of love, or giving love, showing love, feeling love, feeling connected, then I would say yes, absolutely. Um, just men and women do that differently. And not always. Let me also back up and say not always. Sometimes uh, the roles are reversed, right, yeah. in marriages. But couples, I'll say, do this differently, where a lot of times one person in the couple will um, show love, get, get love, um, you know, have more of a need to be loved, show it through physical intimacy. And the other person in the couple will do it through emotional intimacy. Well, how do you do that? You know, emotional intimacy is pretty much talking about your thoughts and feelings, right? And, and they connect on that way. So we might say, you know, typically that might be men and women, right? So if women connect through talking or, or like kind of emotional connection, and men typically connect through physical, so they're gonna wanna do stuff together. And um, so we can understand, we, we have some kind of basic, um, I don't know, I hate to say rules, but like kind of outline of how to do that. Is that kind of the question was, does it mean if that's a need from one partner that the other partner has to meet their need? 
Uh, yes and no. So we can come into marriages with expectations, which is you're going to meet my need to be loved. You are the person that I'm looking right. to do that. Um, but how is going to be through t pretty much two things, through physical intimacy and through communication, talking, right, emotional intimacy. Those are two things that we should be able to expect from our spouse. Yeah. But how do we expect them? Not like I have to respect my spouse's autonomy. I can't just say, hey, I want to talk right now, <laughs> and you need to be available to talk, and that doesn't go over so well in our house, right? Yeah. If I want to talk about something, I have to respect that Phil might say, you know, hey, I've had a long day. I just am not up to it right now. Or, you know, I'm not, uh, maybe he's upset about something else. And he's like, we are not going to have a good conversation right now. So we've got to not talk. So he gets to um, say no, right? So we get to say no, physical intimacy, communication. Spouses get to say no. But because we can expect that from our spouse, the general rule around saying no is usually 24 to 48 hours, you know, he's gotta find a good time and get in a good mind state state of mind where he can come to me and say, hey, you know, you wanted to talk about that thing, let's talk now and vice versa, right? So a pretty short period of time. Now sometimes it is just time related. I, you know, I'm not feeling like talking. We'll kind of keep using that, that, that example. Uh, not feeling like it, but sometimes it is. And so it's their job to kind of like, all right, what do I need to do to kind of get into a different mind state? But sometimes it really is something deeper than that. And it's more complex than just, I don't feel like it. Yeah. Maybe I don't feel like when, or maybe he does, when we talk, I want to talk, but Phil feels like maybe he can't get a word in, right? Or maybe I'm not listening to him or I'm just being critical of him or whatever. So that's where we might need to either talk with friends or mentors or, you know, I'm always going to suggest a counselor. I think it's beneficial, right? We know that uh, even uh, God tells us in Proverbs 19.20, he says, listen to the advice and accept instructions so that we may gain wisdom in the future. That doesn't only mean from a Christian counselor, but that's what we're trained to do. But it can be from, you know, other mentors in your life, pastors. But so then, yes, to your point, like, yeah, that's kind of the basic, but if there's something more complex as to why we're not giving our spouse in their need to be loved, to be connected, if we're not doing that, then it is kind of our job to figure out why. It shouldn't be demanded of us, but we do have to kind of like not just say, hey, like Phil, it would never go in our marriage if Phil says to me, you know what, Rachel, I just don't want to communicate ever again. I don't show my feel or I don't talk about my feelings and you just got to deal with me not wanting to ever again. Yeah. That's not going to kind of. And then the, kind of the last part of that is really when we're disconnected and we feel isolated that's when it goes down to really, I think, the crux and the foundation of marriage is the commitment to love one another even when it hurts. And so a couple verses, John 13, uh, 34 and 35, so now I'm giving you a new commandment, love each other just as I have loved you. Ephesians 4, 2, in marriage, when we're not getting love needs met, always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Um, and ultimately, I think the foundation of marriage is loving another. They're the least deserving of it when it's the hardest for me to do. Um, and then, of course, I know I, I need the Holy Spirit to do that. Yeah, one thing you said that I think was so good is um, 
it, that is the expectation. When you go into marriage, the wife is expecting the husband to meet those emotional needs. And so it is okay to have those expectations, but to be able to be given the time is so, so practical. And, um, to, to seek resources on all of that, but that, but that you are given to your husband and you are given to your wife to meet those emotional and physical needs. And you should be honored that they want that you, God's given you to each other to meet them. And so, um, if it's, if there's a constant desire to not meet them, then for sure seek help. But I love the 24 to 48 hour rule to, to give me some time, but, but they've told you the expectation. I um, started a free, freedom this week and uh, I'm in week two. And they said this week, it was something kind of mind blowing to me, but at our, in our office, we always say unmet expectations lead to frustration, but they said this unmet expectations equals hurt. And so if your wife or your husband tells you there's an expectation to talk or to be intimate and you deny the expectation, it becomes hurt and that hurt will continue to grow. And so, so practical for, to, yeah, to give one, it the time. But and to, one last thing, you know, we talked about the person who has a hard time giving that to their spouse, but I also want to say sometimes, right, the spouse that needs communication to a point where they're never filled up, there's an issue with that person, right? Yeah. So the, the idea of like, my expectations that might need to be checked and vice versa with yes. intimacy sometimes there's unhealthiness on that need and both need yeah. to be checked so that yeah. they can be kind of equal yeah hey let me close out with this um i'm gonna give you guys 60 more seconds okay one thing we're in a series right now called one thing diane and i it's a marriage is called one thing and every week it's just one thing so one of them was this yada yada, yada. so if you one piece of marriage advice you haven't married for a long time you do specialize in this, so give the microphone to, to Nelson. I'll go first. But before he's doing that, I was before you go. Yep. And you can choose if you're going to go or not. Um, I know we're running over time. Someone told me the other day five minutes in big church is like an hour in kid church, and so I want to be honoring of that. But um, yeah, um, sign up to serve in kids area. It's awesome. Um, it all, what I've learned. Um, this is my 60 seconds. What I've learned is that it is all about meeting each other's emotional needs and it then when you meet your spouse's emotional needs the physical needs it's so much easier to do that but so many guys men we're not meeting our wives emotional needs so we're like i don't know i don't know why they won't have this problem i'm like well because you're not you don't serve her in love your marriage isn't that verse said it's an, it's an attractive thing and you're we're not on that so if you meet your wife's emotional needs which is talking which is spending time with them there are, that's called reciprocity. They, they want to meet your needs when you want to meet their needs. Now you shouldn't do it so they get, you should, I shouldn't serve Diana so she'll meet my needs. I should serve her because Jesus Christ came to serve me and so yeah. I should serve my wife. And so do we nail this all the time? No. But I just want to encourage you, man, to serve your spouse, serve your spouse, both of you, serve your spouse. And when you're both just saying, I want to serve you, and the other person, I want to serve you. And if you're single here today and you have friends, like serve your friends. If you can't serve your friends, you're not going to serve your spouse one day. Maybe, maybe if you can't serve your, your friends, maybe God's telling you, yeah, you're not ready yet because this marriage thing is going to be all about serving and you're not quite ready. And the guy that you may like, if he can't serve you, that's a warning sign. He doesn't want to serve you. It isn't, it's not all about us. I, I've had to learn. I learn that every day. It's not about me. I love West Beecham, but it, it's about loving Jesus and then loving, and then, then loving Diana and then loving my kids. Nelson, 60 seconds. Yeah, real quick, um, my one thing is two things. So the first thing is um, I talked about walking and talking. You're killing it when you're walking. You're exercising, you're talking. You know when we walk, my favorite time to pray 
when we're walking, holding hands. We're walking around Epcot. We're praying. Wow. We are. And it's my favorite, favorite time. I'm not a big prayer. My favorite time. The other thing that has been huge for us the last couple of years, we're reading the same scripture. So the Bible app, don't do a three-day, five-day. That's all good. Find yourself a two-year, you know, read through the Bible, 260 days, read through the New Testament. We're reading the same. We're not at the same time. Early in the morning, I'm reading mine. Late at night, she's reading hers. We're writing notes to each other at the end. I'm saying, I didn't know this. Did you? And it just naturally, the next day is like, what was Paul doing there? Why did David do this? I didn't even know this. That's and cool. we're having conversations. Why? Because we're reading the same portions of Scripture. Uh, mine is probably, you know, I, I think marriage, of course, God wants us to be happy. He wants us to have joy in marriage, you know, and, and have all those fun times. But I think ultimately, if we can look at marriage, like God is going to use this person <laughs> um, that I'm in a covenant relationship with. He's going to use this person to bring out sometimes the crap, can I say that? <laughs> that he did. wants to work, sorry. <laughs> I did, that he wants to work on in me and who best to do it than this yeah. person who, and sometimes I don't want to see that stuff, but I know that ultimately that's what, how God is glorified in our marriage is if I allow him and, and like, let him use this stuff that brings out the worst in me to ultimately surrender to him and serve my husband. Yeah. I would say, I'm going to pray for us in a minute, but I would just say remembering that marriage is meant to be a picture of Jesus and him coming back for the church. And so that is, that is exactly what marriage is a picture of. And so when, you know, I, I would feel like some people might hear Nelson saying, you read the Bible together? Like, don't you think Jesus would want us to be reading the Bible together? Like it, it really, it really opens communication. And so we're, when you press into marriage all through God, man, your marriage will take off on a whole nother level. We have so many different things speaking into us on what marriage should look like or what is fun in marriage. But really this is, this is what it is. It's, it is, it should be fun to read scripture together. It should be fun to, to, to go to community group together. It should be fun to have Christian friends together because it is a picture of Jesus and the church. And so I'm going to pray for us. And I know that in this room today that there are people, some of you wrote the question of my husband or my wife doesn't come to church with me, or I am dealing with this in my marriage. And so I don't know what your this is, but I want to ask you to, to just, why don't everyone stand together? I know I think Wesley last week, if you were married, he had you kind of hold hands, but I don't know what your thing is or what it is, if it's communication for you or, or whatever it is, but I just want to pray over you guys. And I want you to also pray, pray. The Bible says pray without ceasing. And so pray for your marriage, pray together. One of the questions was, how do you start praying together? You just start. You just start, and if you miss it the next day, you try not to miss the next day. I, that is something that we, we've struggled with. I'm like, man, we, we haven't prayed together in this many nights, and it's like, and he'll say, okay, let's just do it right now. And sometimes I'm like, but I want it to be like this big spiritual moment. It's like, no, just just hold hands and let's pray. Like we overcomplicate things sometimes, you know, like we, we went on a 45 minute date night the other night because we had to rush back for a community group. And I could be like, ah, let's don't go if we can't go for like a two hour dinner, but it was just a quick sit, not even like a sit down order at the table, like order at the, the thing and get it and fast. So 
some of us just need to start somewhere. And so let me pray for you guys today. God, I know that in this room, God, that there are relationships, God, marriage relationships, God, that, that need to be restored. God, I pray that you would be with those today. God, I pray for the husband or wife that's in this room that, that has come so faithfully without their spouse. God, I pray that you would help them to stay faithful in praying for their spouse, to stay faithful in, in being um, a witness and being a testimony, that they would show an incredible picture of Jesus to their spouse, God. And I pray for those spouses who aren't here this morning, God. I pray that you would work in their hearts even now. God, that they would begin to see something different in their spouse that, that is so on fire for Jesus, God, that it would just be contagious to them to want to be here. God, I pray for the singles in this room, God, for those who are looking for Mr. or Mrs. Wright. God, I pray that the way they would find them is as they draw close to you and that other person draws close to you, that they would meet each other at the top and you would be the center of their relationship. God, I thank you for this month to be able to focus on, on this series on relationships. God, I pray that we would picture and model our relationships as you love the church. God, we love you. We thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. If you'd like to know more about Hope Church, please feel free to visit us at hopewintergarden.com or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Winter Garden. We hope you have a blessed day.